Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Happy Monday and welcome back. It's our Fantasy Sports Today post-divisional games edition as Joe Pizzapi and Craig Mish break it all down for you. And of course, a national championship preview as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And good afternoon. Welcome in Fantasy Sports Today here on January 13, 2020. Craig and Joe back with you, noon to 2 Eastern, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We, of course, have Sean Guastamacchia producing this show. A lot to get to. We'll recap all, of course, of the NFL games. Hour number two will focus in on a lot of fantasy baseball. But, Joe, we uh, had some real fun games, I thought, this weekend in the NFL. Three of the four games were relatively close, at least for the most part. Some shock, some intrigue, and some excitement. And that's kind of what you want. And that's what we got this past weekend, didn't we? Yeah, and we got varying levels of types of games as well, which I thought was fun. We got the offensive scoring machine that was the the Chiefs-Texans game. Well, at least mostly, you know, I mean, the, the Texans did uh, contribute early in the game, that's for sure. Uh, we got that tight nail buyer at the end on Sunday night. It got real tight, real close at the end. And uh, you had the big upset game. And uh, then you had the defensive, you know, kind of just blowing the eventually the Vikings out of contention there. So you had lots of different styles of football, lots of different play. And at the end now, now there's four more left, and it was a very fun weekend of football, that's for sure. And from a fantasy perspective, too, I can also tell you some of these performances, just like in Major League Baseball when we get to the playoffs, some of them will be overrated. I don't know how much we want to take out of one-off games and playoff games and how much we want to think about that towards the 2020 fantasy football season, but I'm sure there's already a lot of people already starting to ask themselves the question of how high will I draft Derrick Henry next year, even in a PPR? Yeah, he is. He's the unstoppable force of the playoffs at this point. And, and it's very rare to see this kind of player in the NFL, because, again, the quarterback is usually the one, of course, that controls the game. and Everybody knows that. But, Joe, what's amazing to me about him is that, you know, it's coming and you can't stop it. And it's different than the quarterback, because like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or even historically speaking, every quarterback, you know, when they have it. If they make a great throw, there's nothing that you can do to stop it. But you can put everybody on the line to try and stop Derrick Henry. And uh, and the Ravens just, you know, simply couldn't do that. And and this has been going on now for weeks. And we'll get into a little bit more as to what could potentially happen this weekend or even in the Super Bowl. But, I, you know, I just don't know that anybody can stop this guy, which makes it so intriguing when uh, when you look at fantasy for 2020. I think you're right. I, I mean, I don't know how in any fantasy league at this point, even in a PPR, that this guy doesn't go at the very least in the top five. I, I mean, well, it's got to be in the first round. I know that for sure. And Titans, look, he's a no agent. one can stop him. No one no. can stop this guy. So I don't know why that didn't happen in the first eight weeks of the season. Um, I don't care that Mariota was the quarterback because because Tannehill's numbers are really not good at all in the playoffs either. 
it's almost as if they they just underused the guy in the first half. I I, I can't make anything of it. I mean, their offensive there's, line is there's basically one small the same. Thing you can make. There's one small thing you can make. The, the, the part of the equation I think that you're looking for is <clears throat> the usage specifically of him from third middle of the third quarter on in games. And if you look at the usage and you look at how his yards per carry go up, they, you know, they would get in these games sometimes with Mariota where they would fall behind. And that was a problem. Tannehill is keeping them in games, which allows them to then start to run Derrick Henry third quarter and on down people's throats when defenses are tired and then they give up these huge plays and they can't stop them because of the fatigue factor and because in the fourth quarter, who wants to tackle this guy because he's a monster. That's kind of the difference. So although the Tannehill stat lines are not very, oh my, 83 yards, 150 yards, you look at some of these lines, you go, oh God, you know, Tannehill stinks. He doesn't stink in the sense that he's making the plays when he has to and he's keeping drives alive when he has to and he's making big throws when he has to. He doesn't have the prolific stats of a Mahomes, but what that's allowing is these teams, to the Titans to stay close in games and then when they get into that second half, when they can really start to effectively run Derrick Henry and the offensive lines play great too, that's been the difference maker. It's the fact that they're not behind in games, they're close in games or ahead in games and then, then they just put their pedal to the metal there with Derrick Henry and that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I watch so many of these games all season long. And, you know, to me, while that certainly could be the case, it seems to me that, you know, they've they've played so many tight games even early on in the season, too, that he didn't do anything. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's it's very hard for me to quantify it. Um, you know, looking back on it now, they played, you know, very close game in week two. They won in week four, seven point game in week five. Um, I don't know. I, I just I, I think that if I'm the Titans next year in 2020, now look, this is not this is not good for Henry's career. <laughs> I mean, this guy is going to get abused in the next couple of years, and that's why he absolutely has to try and find a way to get paid to get a huge oh, yeah. signing bonus to start with. But if I'm the Titans, this is basically it, and this is this is kind of reminiscent to me of of when Eric Dickerson played with the Rams. He was yes. the one man show, and that was it. And it was so desperate for him, uh, USFL involved in everything else. It was so desperate for him that he basically. Uh, took himself out of the Ra- of the of the Rams at the time. I believe it was yeah, it was L.A. at the time. Yeah, uh-huh. and and then he went to the Colts and and was and was still by the way phenomenal for a couple of years with the Colts as well. But was basically the only guy on those teams. There just wasn't a lot of offense, and he's the main focal point. I wonder what will happen this week in Kansas City. I certainly think it'll be interesting. I uh, can't wait to break these games down later on in the week. But uh, very impressive, no question about that. We'll get into all the games as well. Um, the opening lines, by the way, on the games, uh, Chiefs are seven-point favorites against the Titans, and it looks like the 49ers are seven-point favorites against the Packers. These have gone up and down a little bit, but they're settling in at about a touchdown. And for those of you who are playing online with the ability to buy any points, depending on if you want to take a favorite or a dog, you probably are, are going to be right around seven in terms of that. Uh, the line tonight, uh, Joe, has moved down pretty significantly. Initially, it was LSU opened up as a two, two-and-a-half-point favorite. It quickly went up to five-and-a-half. Never quite got to six, and now it's back down to five. I'm expecting probably one of the most exciting college football games we've seen in years, although these championship games have been phenomenal over the last few years. Um, I, I can't I can't wait to see this one. You got two premier quarterbacks that are going to be headed to the NFL. You got talent all over the field. The total in this game is pushing 70. I think it's like 67, something like that. And Vegas can certainly be wrong in terms of the total. But even if the total is 10 points off and it goes under, this still could be a magical game tonight. I can't wait to see it. It should be fun. Absolutely. These are definitely, I think, without a doubt, the two best teams in college football. Uh, if you've watched college football all year, and I know Craig does, I've tried to watch a lot more of it. These were the two teams that you look back and you're like, every time, this, this is the one. This is what you wanted to see. And you're going to get to see it tonight on the grand stage. And it's going to be super fun. I got to see a little bit of that 
ESPN sit down with Joe Burrow and he's just impressive. They were watching game film with him and, and going through stuff. And it was just very impressive to watch him talk about the game. And we all know how great Lawrence is as well. So like you said, he got the two premier quarterbacks and that's, that's a huge deal because in college football, sometimes, you know, you get some of these offenses that, you know, don't look like pro style offenses, which isn't what people are used to seeing, but my goodness, this is it tonight. You got the two big coaches, you got the two big quarterbacks, you got uh first round NFL talent. So if you're a fantasy person who does not watch a lot of college football, here you go. Take a good look because you're going to see a lot of these names next year on a lot of NFL teams. Yep. Can't wait to see it tonight. Eight o'clock Clemson and LSU. We will dis- discuss it a little bit more as the show goes on. But coming up next, it's time for us to dive into the opening drive right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, if you're listening on demand, let me give you a little bit of uh, an idea as to what we're going to be hitting on on the show today. Uh, after the opening drive, we'll recap the AFC games. We'll hit on the NFC games. Hour number two predominantly will be a little bit of college football, and then we'll get into baseball. There were a lot of minor signings over the weekend that could factor into some of the only leagues, perhaps the NL only, the AL only. Not a lot of mix, but we'll hit on those as well. We'll continue our discussion on MLB win totals. And of course, if you have any questions or comments, hit us up on social media at Craig Mish on Twitter at Joe Pizapia 17. As we roll on on Fantasy Sports Today, we'll be right back with the opening drive right here on FST on this Monday. Don't go ahead. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First Play from Scrimmage, the opening drive. The first play of the game. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports. Today, it is the opening drive here on the show. And as always, after a full weekend of sports, and it can be anything. It can be NFL, it could be college football, baseball, the NBA is in full swing, college basketball is in full swing as well, the NHL, so much to get to. Uh, we could touch on it all, but we'll start off with the nice emotional moments from the game. And of course, we'll break down the actual NFL games. But I thought a very creative way, and it's getting a lot of accolades, of course, on social media, as it should. On Saturday, as Bill Cowher has announced that he is put in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the former Steelers head coach. For many years, we thought he'd come back and coach again, but apparently it's the end. He's headed to the Hall of Fame. And then, of course, Jimmy Johnson with the Dallas Cowboys, a very emotional night for him yesterday on Fox as they tell him that he is getting into the Hall of Fame and how this guy is not in the Hall of Fame already. I have no idea. He's already won two Super Bowls. doesn't really make a lot of sense, but the great coach that I had a chance to cover here uh, as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins and saw a ton of success, of course, with Dallas and a ton of success in college at the University of Miami. So really good moments yesterday. Yeah, no, everyone forgets about them, uh, those Miami years. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, I was out of show. But yeah, this was this was fantastic. This was the feel-good football moment of the weekend. 
And the look on these two gentlemen's face when, you know, they say those words to them to get to experience that live on TV the same time they get to experience, you know, you see this stuff. And I know we're coming up pretty soon on MLB Hall of Fame and we'll get into that a ton. You know, you get to watch those phone calls where they they get the call. You just kind of hear the one side kind of and you see the emotions to watch them have the conversation there and how much it means to them to be a part of this group. And then when they say, well, you're part of the one percent that ever coached or or whatever that was, and you're in the Hall of Fame and what that really means to these guys who have given their entire life. They've played the game. Bill Cowher played the game. Jimmy Johnson played the game at the college level. And then to have the careers that they had in coaching and have some of these dynasties like they had. And let's face it, I mean, that Cowboys team in the 90s, those Pittsburgh Steelers teams, just incredible runs there. And I can't think of two more deserving guys. And I like both of them. They're very different personality-wise. Like Jimmy Johnson was the big flashy, big talker, all this stuff. Bill Cowher was like a, you know, that stoic general on the field with that chin and you just you know he looked like a football coach like if you if you carved a football coach out of clay it should look like bill cower and bill cower was so great at getting so much out of players and the love that he has for those players and you know i've seen the football life on both of these guys and, and they've had fascinating personal lives and personal tragedies and things that they've had to move on from and uh i it, i was just so happy as a football fan and as a fan of those guys and when he went down the line there on the second one for Jimmy Johnson, he went Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. And you realize everybody that Jimmy Johnson works with is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And now he is, too. That was a beautiful moment, Craig. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson in particular, um, gotten to know through the years, he has a uh, uh, a restaurant in the Keys and basically is living the most unbelievable life at this point. Uh, essentially, he goes fishing every single day, wakes up early in the morning. He's got his, uh, he's got his own boat. Uh, I think it's called Three Rings, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Five Rings? I don't know. Whatever it is, he's got an unbelievable boat. Takes people out all the time. Belichick has the five rings, but now it's the six. I think that okay. you're confusing. Yeah, yeah. They confusing always name their boats after rings, these guys. I'm confusing boats, and I'm sorry <laughs> for that. But, yeah, he lives in the Keys. Uh, basically, every Friday or Saturday, catches a flight, you know, goes to Miami, catches a flight to L.A., goes back, and then does it all over again every week and just and, and fishes his, his life and just has an unbelievable uh, sense of gratitude for what he uh, for what he accomplished in, in the NFL and in college football as well. Didn't work out for him, of course, in my, uh, with the Dolphins. But decided at, at one point, it was a day I'll never forget, showed up to a press conference and went in there and said, I'm done. I'm retiring. Dave Wanstead's going to take over. Basically, like put Dave Wanstead in his spot. Like he told <laughs> Wayne Izenga, uh, this is the guy who's going to coach the team. Wayne Izenga said, OK. Jimmy Johnson disappeared, never came back, never even thought to come back again. And in terms of Cowher's case, I think that's the opposite. We all felt like for years that he was going to return. Some people speculated he would coach the Panthers for many years because he lives in Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, but he never did. So you're right. Congratulations to both those guys. A really emotional time. Uh, one one signing, I think, that could affect fantasy yesterday in baseball. Interesting. Uh, Todd Frazier signs with the Texas Rangers. The Rangers are just really having a hard time convincing Donaldson or convincing Castellanos to go there. And so they, they took a preemptive strike here, Joe, a little bit by signing Todd Frazier, who... I'll never forget his home run derby a few years ago in Cincinnati. I was there watching it and and really was a phenomenal player, kind of a late bloomer, so to speak, and had a couple of really great years. I would think he's on at least the back nine of his career. I don't know what even kind of fantasy relevance he'll have, but if the Rangers do nothing, it certainly opens up some playing time for him at third base, potentially some first base as well. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw Todd Frazier, I was coaching up in Williamsport in the Camp League. And I think I was 18 at the time. I think I was a fresh, going into my freshman year of college. And I saw this 11-year-old kid playing for Tom's River and I pay attention to the team because I was from New Jersey and then I said oh look at this New Jersey team and I got to watch him and I thought my god that kid at shortstop is quite an athlete for an 11 year old kid and here he is and we're still talking about him um yeah look it depends on how healthy he is 
the power is still there. It's just the contact hasn't been in recent years. And he's had some really good years in Cincinnati. He's had a good career overall. But you're right. I think the bigger point here is where the Rangers are at. And they're trying so hard to kind of, you know, redo this organization and remake it a little bit. And I feel like they started off real aggressive. They got Kluber. They were able to move Bizarra. And then they feel like they've stalled out. Doesn't it feel that way? That they just can't seem to get over that hump now I, I don't know why you know people just don't want to go to the new ballpark you would think more people want to go to texas because you get to keep more of the money because of the state income tax laws but i don't know it seems kind of bizarre to me that they haven't been able to overpay for one of these guys yet because back in the day that's all you had to do well just give them the extra year give them the extra five million the eight million, whatever it is and get the deal done but for some reason either the rangers aren't willing to do it or guys don't want to go there or these particular guys don't want to go there but it does seem a little odd because the rangers started out this this offseason rocking and rolling and now it just seems like the car's in neutral yeah they got Kluber maybe they didn't expect to get him I, I can only guess that's what happened and then from this point the good news for them is that even if they don't get any any of these players they did send a positive message to the fan base that they were trying so no one's really going to give them a hard time uh, my guess is they probably don't end up with any of these guys I mean they still have a shot at Castellanos they could certainly sign Ozuna and they probably are out on Donaldson um, I don't think that they're done. When I look at their roster, I still feel like they're a piece away, but they had to at least cover themselves a little bit. They do. And I think if that's Calhoun what they takes do a step Ranger. forward, that's a player that, that could make an impact. I mean, they've got a Gallo missed a big chunk of the season. It's not like they don't have offense, but you're right. The biggest part was probably Kluber because that's the guy they didn't have. And if Lynn and Miner can be anything close to what they were last year, that's a pretty darn good rotation last time I checked. Yeah, they're improved. They're improved for sure, no matter what. Uh, Stefanski's a new head coach of the Cleveland Browns. What an interesting story this has been uh, with the Browns. Apparently, they sat in with Josh McDaniels, and the two agreed that the fit wasn't good. Uh, we'll see. Paul D. Podesta is clearly the guy that's leading the way. A lot of analytics are now involved in the NFL, but Kevin Stefanski, Joe, takes over there. I would assume a lot of running is coming for them. Well, I mean, they ran the football out this year for the most part. I mean, Nick Chubb was, what, number two in rushing this year behind Galvin Cooper yeah. three when everything was all said and done, when the dust cleared. I thought this was a little weird, and I, I really did. I mean, I know Stefanski was up for the job last year, and he lost his pretty kitchens. So maybe that was the guy they wanted all along, and they kind of felt pressure from the fan base because kitchens had all that great, quote-unquote, play calling in the second half, and the Browns made a run. But I don't know, man. It, apparently, if you believe the rumors, I don't know. I know rumors are, are tricky things, but McDaniels also wanted to kind of remake the organization and tear everything down, which they've just kind of started the rebuild going upward. So I can understand not wanting to strip everything down. And if that's true, then that kind of put him out of the argument. And I guess the implication is now he goes back to his old gig being the highest paid coordinator, which means there's probably a good chance also Brady will come back and everyone will be back in the fold again. But I thought this was a strange hire. And I think Browns fans should be a little concerned. Uh, doesn't this kind of reek of what the Browns have done historically? Well, I mean, look, with uh, analytics is headed toward to Cleveland in the NFL, and they're trying to revolutionize it in that way, and they feel like Dee Podesta can do it. Will it work? We have no idea. But if it does, then Dee Podesta will end up being the most coveted president or general manager of any NFL team, and if it doesn't, he'll be out of a job in two years. That's the way that uh, usually the NFL works. Uh, finally, last week's Jeopardy! Greatest of all time, Joe, got over 3 million viewers watching. Highest-rated TV shows of these guys competing against each other outside of anything that was involved in sports. I, I'm... I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I am a little that this got so much run. So I checked out a few minutes of it. Um, I don't really watch Jeopardy every day. Of course, to say that I don't know exists would be stupid. But what do you think about this being so coveted? Like It got the attention of like a Monday Night Football game. I love it. I think it's great because in a society where we've dumbed down everything, it's very refreshing to be able to look at a bunch of people and say, hey, look, these guys are really smart. 
this is cool, smart is cool, let's all watch. How nice, what a nice change of pace from the normal stupidity we get on social media and everywhere else where people, you know, don't understand how the English language work. And here we go, we're getting three million viewers on people uh, being intellectual. So smart is cool, smart is good. I like this a lot. This was a good story. All right, we'll take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports today. We'll get into the AFC games next. You're listening to FST on this Monday. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. The Monday Replay. Help you read number. The Monday Replay. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Get in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook. Listeners of this show can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. Here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account. Make a deposit. Place your first bet. DraftKings will match it with a 50% bonus up to $500. This offer is eligible for all users. Plus, new users will get a risk-free bet of up to $200. Just go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com slash DK. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Got to be 21 years or older, and you have to be in New Jersey with some eligibility restrictions applying to signing up. All right, let's get into uh, what happened in the NFL. Of course, most of you saw it, but we got to break it down in terms of fantasy and reality. I thought that the lead would be the Titans beating the Ravens. I really did. I, I After Saturday, I'm like, all right, that's, that's going to be the game that we're going to talk about. But no. The Texans-Chiefs ended up being the game of the weekend. 24 to nothing, the Texans go up on the Chiefs. And you're laying nine and a half points in an NFL game. You think you got no shot, but hold the phone. Because Patrick Mahomes put on a show for the ages yesterday. 321 yards and five touchdowns, 53 rushing yards. I mean, Tennessee could do no wrong in the first quarter. They, uh, the, the Chiefs were dropping everything. They had a punt muff. They scored a touchdown off it, a blocked punt for a touchdown. But the Chiefs came roaring back and ended up winning 51 to 31. Damian Williams, a key part in this one, scored three touchdowns, 12 for 47 on the ground and also receiving touchdown. Kelsey, I don't know if he was hurt or what the story was, but he still was unstoppable in this game. Ten catches, 134 yards and three touchdowns. Watkins, two for 76. Hill, three for 41. Deshaun Watson, all he could do is throw in this game. Not a surprise. 388, two touchdowns, 37 yards on the ground and a touchdown. He did his best for sure. Hyde, 13 for 44. Hopkins, nine for 118. Fuller, 5 for 89, and Stills uh, had a a long touchdown to start the game. He had three catches for 80 yards. But uh, look, I remember that game where the uh, Houston Oilers, Joe, went up 31-0 on the Buffalo Bills. They came back to win that game, one of the biggest upsets of all time there. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was 24-0. I I thought, okay, covering is out of the picture here for Kansas City, but they certainly can win the game. They have enough firepower to win the game. But it just completely went the other way. I don't, I've never seen a game like this where one team goes up by so much and then the other team goes up by this much, not only to win and cover. You have to feel miserable if you're a Texans fan or even if you back the Texans in this game. And now Kansas City gets to host that AFC championship on Sunday. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, at the one point in time, it was, what, 24 nothing, right? And I think you were just creeping into the second quarter. And, you know, the, you had the, the one score. And then that one play, that fake 
punt where they were on their own 30 for the Houston Texans. I was watching that moment. And what's something that rings true to me is being this you know person who's watched all these Patriot games in the last 20 years is one thing is having the discipline to play field position when you're up. It's not always the fun thing. It's not the sexy thing, but to continuously make people drive the field. Now, granted, Patrick Mahomes did a great job of driving the field all day long. Uh, after that first quarter, there was a lot of drops in this game, a lot of moments too that they could have been bigger, but they, they really struggled that first quarter, especially. To me, that was so unforgivable. Even if they had made it, the risk was so unforgivable because basically what you're giving now is you're giving Patrick Mahomes the red zone. And that is just such a terrible idea. You're up by 17 points at the time. You have to basically punt and push them all the way back, make them drive the length of the field. You never know what happens. What happens in this case? They don't get that little trick play. Then on top of that, the next play, they score. Then uh, you're coming back the other way. There's a, a big fumble on the kick return. And, and there you go. And next thing you know, the Chiefs are back in this game and all the momentum swings because it is such a momentum game football. And that's, you know, a lot of sports are like that. You know, baseball has those moments too, but football especially because there's so much raw emotion in the crowd. There's so many people there. It's such a huge stadium most of the time. To me, that was when the Texans just gave this up and they could never recover. Deshaun Watson was running for his life all in the second half of that game. Kelsey was incredible. Kelsey's ability to break tackles in that game was incredible. I can't imagine the frustration of all those Damian Williams truthers who drafted him and were completely disappointed all year watching him have the game he had. And there you have it. And, uh, you know, I hate to remind everybody, but I really I, I say that I actually enjoy reminding everybody. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Lamar Jackson might have been the most entertaining this year and he might have been the best fantasy quarterback. But the best quarterback in the NFL right now was last year, is this year, Patrick Mahomes. And if you watch that boy play quarterback, my goodness, is he fun to watch. And my goodness, is he able to make all the throws? Is he able to get out of the pocket and run? Is he able to make throws that no other person can make in a style that nobody else can really make them? And uh, this was an incredible job by the Chiefs. And I, I'm rooting for Andy Reid. I mean, there's another great coach who's had not one but two great runs with teams, two separate teams. And he's yet to get that big one. I am all the way in Team Andy Reid. I want to see that man get a get a title finally. Yeah, well, he'll certainly uh, have his chance. Um, you know, it's almost unexplainable, even though they did win the game and win by so much, how poorly they could be prepared to start that game yesterday. They literally yeah. had drops by uh, almost every wide receiver. Robinson, Kelsey, uh, Hill dropped a punt. It just was. It was looking like because historically Kansas City's performed very poorly under Reid in the postseason, very poorly and especially at home, too, and it looked like that was playing itself out. But uh, the Chiefs' offense not only is unstoppable, but I would also say that Houston's defense was historically bad for, for a half in football like we've never seen before. I, I, you, you really, if you think about it, and for people who watch the game closely, if you close your eyes and try and, and, try and remember a play that Houston's defense made from the second quarter on, you can't even do it. Like It was that bad. Uh, so I would guess <laughs> that it will be a little bit more difficult this coming week against the Tennessee Titans, who beat the Ravens 28-17. to Ryan Tannehill only needed 88 yards. Uh, he did throw for two touchdowns. One was uh, a pretty good gut punch at the beginning of the game as he hit uh, this kid, Khalif Raymond, on a 45-yard touchdown, who really wasn't a factor on the Titans all season long. Could have given you a million choices before you would have came up with him. As we talked about earlier in the show, the story was Derrick Henry again. 30 carries, 195 yards for him. He also threw a jump pass touchdown in the game. Uh, they just uh, the Titans just kept punching uh, Baltimore in the face, and uh, Jackson, although he had the best fantasy game I think of any uh, you know quarterback this past week at 143 rushing yards to go with 365 and a passing touchdown through two picks, he did not have his best game for sure. It didn't help that Mark Ingram clearly was not himself. He was hurt, only six uh, rushes for 22 yards. Hollywood Brown had seven catches for 126. Andrews was very quiet, four for 39. Hurst had a touchdown 
Uh, Sneed went over his total. Look at that. Six for 56 in this game, too. <laughs> um, it was the opposite of, of kind of what people thought. Now, uh, on the show here last week, we discussed this, that um, that I thought that Tennessee had a shot in this game, but I was not going to go against Lamar Jackson. So I don't regret that. But the total did come in under 47 points. So I was happy to see that, too. Uh, I would say that from watching the Titans, they do appear to be a somewhat team of destiny here. And I am not going to sleep on them at all in the AFC Championship. As we move on in the week, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more. But historically speaking, in this round, the home teams usually win. Historically speaking, in the AFC and NFC Championships, this thing can go batty, coin flippy and batty. So uh, I am supremely impressed with what Tennessee has been able to do. I'm supremely impressed with Kansas City also. Make no mistake about it. Uh, but I thought that Houston was a poor team and lucky to be in the spot that they are. I'm watching a Tennessee team and I'm watching this Titans team that it would not shock me at all to see them go to Kansas City and win based on the way that they're playing. The way that they have uh, been coached up, the way that their game plan has run. The only thing that can stop the Titans, I think, from keeping the game close this week against Kansas City, Joe, is, is a blowout. Is a game that just they go down 21 nothing, and then they're not built to come back that way. Beyond that, I think we could be headed for a good AFC Championship game this week because of the, what they did to Baltimore. They basically played almost Baltimore's game. Run the ball, uh, focus in on one guy, let Henry do his damage. And if, if you can't stop a running back like this in the NFL, I, I don't know how Kansas City can stop him either. He's been fantastic. No, he's he's been otherworldly. And you know what? I think what's not getting enough credit is the Titans defense, too, who's played very well. And they were uh, without a big piece in the linebacking core this week. And uh, and I think that was an exceptional job by the guys who stepped up in that void. They they did the, the concept of them making Lamar Jackson run laterally as opposed to right at you <laughs> really helped quite a bit. And I think what Mike Vrabel just gave you is the blueprint of at least how you slow down Lamar Jackson. I don't want to say stop because they had a lot of opportunities. They just couldn't convert. I mean, they did not convert on one of those single fourth downs. Somebody put out a tweet and it was fascinating of, of where drives stopped for the Ravens. And it was like on the 31, on the 30, on the 15, on the 20, like all these spots where you should be scoring and moving the football. And they've been historically perfect in 2019. All of a sudden, they couldn't convert anymore. All of a sudden, none of that happened for them. All those bounces that went their way, none of it happened. Uh, Mark Ingram dealing with that calf injury, missing significant time in the second quarter of that game certainly didn't help either. They became a little one-dimensional. And Andrews wasn't healthy, too. You could see him not running at full speed, that's for sure. Uh, not that everybody's healthy or anybody's healthy this time of year, but this was a... I think you're right. It wasn't shocking, but it was still kind of like, man, you know, the Titans just went in there and beat the Ravens. You still sit back and the Ravens were such a juggernaut. The, the way it happened was shocking. No, the way the way it happened is shocking to see to see Tennessee win by this much is of no question right. about it. Shocking. Like, um, see, not, I wouldn't say win by this much. I would say limit them touchdowns. to 12. See, that's that's not even like like the, the, the margin of victory was not nearly as shocking as the fact that it was what they, they had six points going into the fourth quarter, didn't they? I want to say, right? Like they, they did not put up a touchdown <laughs> until the, until the fourth quarter, the end of the third. That's what was shocking. This offense had been so prolific and so unstoppable all of a sudden got stopped because frankly, the defense played very well. And on top of that, they had some key drops and some, and some spots where they just could not get those third down conversions, could not get those fourth down conversions. And that was the tail of the tape there and a horrible end of the season for Lamar Jackson. And now of course we're getting all the, well, this is two years in a row. Lamar Jackson has bad playoff games. So how much does that kind of creep into the psyche now, Craig? None. I'm not worried about him at all. One bad game for Baltimore. Ingram is the guy that gets those carries on fourth and one, and he was hurt. I mean, he yep. was just he was not right. And uh, would the Ravens have covered this game? No way. No chance. Would they have won? Maybe. They, they could have still won this game had they converted some of those. 
but the Titans took advantage of those situations. A, a no-go on fourth and one, and then they throw a bomb. That's the way you do it. And Khalif Raymond caught that touchdown. They get down to the goal line. Instead of running Henry, they have him throw a pass. It was just a great, a great coached game two weeks in a row from Brable. Uh, I don't know really where this all came from, honestly, after uh, picking Tennessee to beat Denver earlier this year and having them shut out 16 to nothing. And I promised myself I wouldn't take Tennessee the rest of the year. Boy, was I wrong about them. They have come on. And um, and I think they got a shot to beat Kansas City this week. There's no doubt in my mind. I think they do. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports today. When we come back next, it's time for us to dive into some of the NFC games as the 49ers and Vikings. Uh, really, the one game this weekend that really wasn't all that exciting. And then uh, last night's Seattle-Green Bay game, we'll get into that as well. Don't forget, you can like and subscribe to the show very easily. Here's what you do. Go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe to the show. Whether you listen on iTunes or Android or Google Play, however you listen to a podcast, just type in FST or Fantasy Sports Today or my name, Craig Mish, or Joe's name, Joe Pizapia. And if you like and subscribe to it every day, wherever you listen to your podcast, the show will get sent to you. That's the way that podcasts work. Also, other ways you can listen to the show on a daily basis would be audioboom.com. We post the audio there. The Fantasy Sports Network website, sportsgrid.com, as well as Stitcher and TuneIn and iHeartRadio. All of those applications will give you the opportunity to listen to the show. It's very easy. Make it part of your day. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, right here on Fantasy Sports Today. And with that, we'll take a quick timeout and be back with more right after this. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe with you here on the show on FST. And uh, let's we'll, we'll get to the, the Seahawks and Packers, but this is a quick uh, destruction game here because the 49ers came out against the Minnesota Vikings, and after the Vikings decided to get off to a good start and score first, this was the one game of the weekend that was indeed a blowout. It was not close. Uh, the Vikings just imposed their will. And how do they do it? Exactly the, the way they imposed their will. Yeah, the 49ers imposed it. How do they do it? They run the ball, and it's the, <laughs> and it's the recipe for success 47 times again. That's the way that they do it. They just grind you to death. If they're going to win this week against Green Bay, that's the way that they're going to do it. They're going to grind you to death, and that's what they did against the Vikings. Vikings couldn't stop it. Jimmy G, 131 yards and a touchdown and interception. Nothing spectacular, but good enough. Coleman, 22 on the ground, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Mostert, 12, 58 on the ground. Combine them together, 34 carries, 163 yards. That's the way they win. Curtis Samuel, three for uh, 42. uh, Debo Samuel, three for 42, excuse me. Kendrick Bourne had an early touchdown, three for 40. They didn't need Sanders. They didn't need Kittle. Sanders, two for 33. Kittle, three for 16. Kirk Cousins, only 172 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Dalvin Cook. Nine for 18. Yuck, six catches, eight yards. Diggs, two for 57 to touchdown. Thielen, five for 50. So what is the moral of, of the story as we continue on here? It's the same moral that has been going on in the divisional round for the last five or six years. And here's the deal. If for those of you who bet, here's the lesson to be learned. Every year, we spend so much time discussing during the season 
and spend time talking about betting on games and wagering on games, that part of people's narrative, this team is, quote, coming off the bye week. How many times do we say that during the season? A million, a million. Every time people's best bets are, well, they're coming off the bye week. They got a week of rest. That's number one. Here's number two. The best teams in the NFL are the teams that got the first round playoff bye. This is the reality of the situation. And what happens, and it gets lost every single year, is that the teams that are in the wild card, first of all, are not the best teams in the NFL. In all likelihood, they're the ones that snuck into the game. But they're so impressive in that wild card week that they're getting these points, and you fully expect that they're going to show up and they're going to play well, when indeed that is not the case. And that is indeed the lesson to be learned in a lot of these games in the divisional round. So come next year, when we get to the divisional round, and these teams coming off the bye are six-point favorites, seven-point favorites, eight-point favorites. You are not blindly advised to just take the home teams because that's not smart. But just keep this in mind going into next year because Minnesota is more of the story to me than San Francisco is. Because as you know, I've said all season long, I think San Francisco is going to the Super Bowl and, and yada, yada, et cetera. But, that, but they are not the story in this game. The story is that the Vikings were really not a good team all season long. They had a great performance last week in the playoffs, Joe, in the wild card that got them to this point. And then they showed up against a much better team, a much more rested team, and smashed them in the face. Did it happen in all four games this weekend? No. Did it look like it in most of the games this weekend? Yes. And that's indeed the story of the Vikings season, who will be perfectly fine and win their nine or ten games next year. But the 49ers did not need to do anything in this game except for show up, be healthy, and they just smashed the Vikings in the mouth, and that was the end of the game, plain and simple. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the Vikings were in this game here. At least it was close uh, going into halftime, and then after that, it was just terrible. And it just, you know, you're right. Even though the score was close, it didn't feel like the game was close. Even no, at half, where it was because was, was it 14 10? I think it, the, the, the Vikings, the, the, the 49ers dominated the first half too. The Vikings, well, yeah, scored. and they dominated the the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it's yeah. It, 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 but it, but again, it's just a good lesson for people next right. year to just keep this in mind because we get so enamored. Now, I did not get enamored at all, but we get so enamored with the wild card weekend. The teams that looked so oh Seattle, oh we got to take Seattle. They're, 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 they beat the Philadelphia. What did they do to beat Philadelphia? Josh McCown had one leg. What did Minnesota end up doing against the Saints? The Saints just you know peed their pants and gave the game away. The Saints should have won that game last week too. Saints would have given the Forty ers a much better battle. Yeah, uh, but but, but we forget that it gets to this point and those points look so good <laughs> and, and they look so juicy and, and and I can understand it. I didn't buy it, but I could I could understand people doing it. But the divisional round is not the round to do it in this week. Probably so. Wild card week, without a doubt. Look at all right. the dogs that come well, yeah. in the wild card. Without week, a wild card week is is the wild west. But you're right. You've said it all. And you, and you were in all fairness too. if anyone's just listening, going, oh, this is crazy. No, Craig's been saying this for a week now about the games that just happened this weekend. So you've been very I never take well. favorites. I mean, all, I season, all season long, you could go back and listen to all the games that I lose uh, on these streams and on the live streams. Are the are ugly. Are, they're ugly. They're very ugly because I'm taking an underdog okay. and they're getting annihilated. Those are the games that I lose. But I go right back to the well every week and keep taking those dogs because during the season, the regular season, that's more going to happen than not. So when we're doing this live stream with Howard, he's like, really? We're taking the favorites? I'm like, I don't know why. I don't have the secret sauce. But this is what happens. This is well, what happens every year. Part of it is that buy. I mean, 
this time of year. But why do, but why do we talk so much about that, Joe, during the regular season? And then we get to this uh, point and everyone's just like, oh, oh my God, you got to well, take it. No, because I think what happens is the recency bias of seeing a team win in a wild card That's exactly game. exactly what it and is. The mom- and, and let's not pretend like momentum isn't a thing because look at the Titans. So, so, the, so it's, it's possible, but you're right. The data is telling you it's unlikely. Here's but, the thing. But I, I will, but I will say that the Titans, the, as I illustrated last week, mm-hmm. the Titans have the one equalizer and all this in Henry. That's the one guy that can change the whole dynamic of this because he's an unstoppable force that isn't the quarterback. It, you know, it happens in the NFL. The Patriots during the regular season had it with the defense. In in the postseason, the Patriots have had Brady in the past. The Ravens, when they won that Super Bowl many years ago, they had that defense that was the unstoppable force, the equalizer. The mm. Titans have it. They have it. It is You're Henry. Right. And, and, and the Vikings did not have it because Dalvin oh, Cook had nothing. Dalvin Cook was that weapon, but Dalvin Cook could not get out of it. I mean, they they nothing. Nothing. And it's going to be fascinating to see when Stefanski now steps away, what happens? Are they going to continue to be, uh, you know, a non-creative offense or was Stefanski the problem? Is Zimmer the problem? Who knows? The only thing that I don't understand is this. All I see all year, the 49ers do two things. They run the football with that host of different guys. And granted, they're very good at that because they execute well. And I give them all the credit in the world. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk goes out there. He's a physical player. He's breaking up spots. He's hitting bodies and they're opening up holes. And these guys are fresh and they just ride the hot hand with the running back scenario. Okay, that's fine. That hard to stop? Okay. The other thing is very easy to stop. All they do is run slants over the middle. That's all they do. And that one touchdown that Xavier Rhodes gave up early in that game, I could not, but to Kendrick Bourne, I could not believe that he didn't cheat inside because you've got him coming down at you, right? He's right in front of you. Do we really think that he's going to turn that route and go to the deep corner of the end zone and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to throw a touch pass and hit him over the back shoulder? No, he's going to cross in front of you and he's going to go for the slant. If you jump that route, you will pick him off all day. And Kendricks had a pick, but he almost had a second one in that game and he should have had it too. Cato had a phenomenal play there to knock that ball away. Let me tell you, they are the most predictable offense out there. I know Kyle Shannon has a really good coach um, and they execute. Debo Samuel is an incredible talent. I am the biggest Debo Samuel fan out there. Go read the Black Book last year if you don't believe me. I'm telling you right now, they are so predictable, and it blows my mind that they can't drop more linebackers into coverage. They can't bring up more safeties to cheat, and that every corner isn't cheating on the inside of any of these routes because all they do all day is run slants all day into the middle of the field. That's where Jimmy Garoppolo is comfortable. Make Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball over the top. Make him beat you deep. Nobody makes him do that. If he does it, great. At least you challenge him to do so. Nobody challenges him. And I watch the 49ers every week, and they play very physical defense. They run the football. That's great. But from a passing standpoint, they are so utterly predictable. It blows my mind that people just haven't been able to stop them. And, and it, it's just frustrating because like, if I was a defensive coordinator, I'd be like, okay, well, I know what they do. Just everybody go jump the route. Jump the route. He's going inside. Just don't even – and if he beats you deep, if he beats you and you want to go to the sideline, that's fine. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't done that all year long, and nobody's made him do it. Well, no one can stop Henry either. Some, some you just can't stop things sometimes. Yeah, so, but one of them is predictable. Well, look, they're both predictable. Both one of them is one of them is 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 make Jimmy Garoppolo do that. Because if you take away the one thing Jimmy Garoppolo is comfortable doing, which is throwing the ball in the middle of the field, all of a sudden you've equalized a little bit of of what of what they like to do, and it makes Garoppolo uncomfortable. And and if you are anticipating it properly, like Kendrick started to. You're able to make turnovers, and Jimmy Garoppolo was very—he was leading the league in turnovers in the first six weeks before Daniel Jones took a football in his hand. So everybody forgets that because it's so distant in the future. But my goodness, this is all they do, and Debo Samuel is by far the favorite target. Make him beat you with the other guys. Make him beat you with Sanders. Make him beat you with Bourne. Okay, but my God, if any corner—I mean, I'll just just stop, just stop, just jump the route, go in the inside, cut in front of the guy, and take away those slants because that's all they do all day long. Sorry. 
Well, Joe's uh, Joe's rant and national nightmare will continue because the Packers are also headed to play the 49ers in, in the uh, divisional <laughs> this round. Is my nightmare, Greg. It really is. Aaron Rodgers, you got to have to pick somebody this week. I know you're not going to like to do it, but someone's going to have to pick. <laughs> Rodgers, 243 and two touchdowns. Jones had two on the ground. Adams was a beast. Uh, Russell Wilson, basically this game looked like it was over, and then Seattle came back and made it close. If they could have any running game, they may have won this game. Right. But, we've been, but we've been saying that against the Packers all year long, and they keep winning. Uh, Lockett was the big receiver for Wilson, nine for one thirty-six and a touchdown. Lynch had two on the ground. Uh, had a funny post-game press conference also yesterday. Uh, Metcalf four for fifty-nine. Hollister five for forty-seven. Uh, the extra point basically cost uh, cost Green Bay the push for a lot of people. I, and there were some four and a halfs on on Friday. I noticed. So I mean, that's a, a tough one for people who took Seattle. But you can't really feel great about taking Seattle because they had to come back just to even to get to that point. But, you know, at the window, yeah, I mean, an extra point would have got you a push. Uh, Packers were the better team, very clearly. Uh, Seattle was running on fumes. Not a surprise. The second halves of these games, this is what's happening. In all of the games, teams are getting tired. Houston, uh, Minnesota, and, and Seattle did have to did rally. They did come back. But uh, Green Bay, they get to this point. This is where Rodgers is from. It's California. He's got another shot, Joe, to get back to the Super Bowl again, managing his game way through finding Devontae Adams when he needs to. And uh, look, I, I have been with you right there all season long on Green Bay, except for this game. Like, uh, I just, it's, you know, they, they do enough to win. They do enough to keep games close, although they did struggle uh, big time when they played San Francisco last time out. Yeah, look, it, it's, I'll tell you what, a lot of people will talk about a lot of um, free agent acquisitions. You know, most of the time, everyone talks about the offensive ones. I think one of the ones that doesn't get talked about enough um, I know earlier in the year, I did a big write-off on Zadarius Smith and him leaving Baltimore and going to Green Bay and how huge of an addition that was when I was doing the write-ups on the team-by-teams because I just think it, it floated under the radar a little bit and it's not floating in the radar anymore because Zadarius Smith is having a fantastic... The last six weeks when you watch him play, it's making a difference. Now, granted, they didn't have much of a running game anyway to speak of, but that guy is always in the right spot at the right time on the defensive end of the football. And that's kind of changed, you know, because Clay Matthews had kind of aged out. They had been lacking that presence, and Smith has filled that void because, you know, Clay Matthews wasn't the same player he was five years ago. And at one point, he was that guy in the middle of the field. He was that guy that was calling the plays and was right there, and everything revolved around him. And Smith has kind of taken over that role. And ever since the last six weeks of the season, you can watch him especially and how well that Green Bay defense has played in big spots. And you're right. It was, it was fun that they got back in this game because I did not want this game to be a laugher. I really did. And after the first half, you kind of look at yourself going, man, this sucks. Like, I, I really wanted Seattle at least to be competitive because you want a good football game. And then it got real competitive real quick. And then Rodgers took that terrible sack there. And I, I, that was a moment where you started to feel the worm turn a little bit. You go, oh, no, that's that's not good. And unfortunately, they just could not do enough. It was too little too late for Seattle. Just not enough good stuff for them in the first half of this game, unfortunately. And they just gave the Packers too much. Yep. Packers will take on San Francisco this Sunday. And we will take a quick timeout when we come back next. It'll be the best of the first hour. Then we'll preview Clemson and LSU tonight. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.
Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. The only thing that can stop the Titans, I think, from keeping the game close this week against Kansas City, Joe, is, is a blowout. Is a game that just they go down 21 nothing, and then they're not built to come back that way. Beyond that, I think we could be headed for a good AFC championship game this week because of the, what they did to Baltimore. They basically played almost Baltimore's game. Run the ball. Uh, focus in on one guy, let Henry do his damage. And if, if you can't stop a running back like this in the NFL, I, I don't know how Kansas City can stop him either. He's been fantastic. No, he's he's been otherworldly. And you know what? I think what's not getting enough credit is the Titans defense, too, who has played very well. And they were uh, without a big piece in the linebacking core this week. And uh, and I think that was an exceptional job by the guys who stepped up in that void. They they did the the concept of them making Lamar Jackson run laterally as opposed to right at you <laughs> really helped quite a bit. And I think what Mike Vrabel just gave you is the blueprint of at least how you slow down Lamar Jackson. I don't want to say stop because they had a lot of opportunities. They just couldn't convert. I mean, they did not convert on one of those single fourth downs. Somebody put out a tweet and it was fascinating of, of where drives stopped for the Ravens. And it was like on the 31, on the 30, on the 15, on the 20. Like all these spots where you should be scoring and moving the football and they've been historically perfect in 2019. All of a sudden they couldn't convert anymore. And we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Hour number two, if you're listening live or if you're listening on demand, this is FNTSY Radio, Craig Mish, Fantasy Sports Today.